Welcome to the EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. Welcome back to the last of the Puerto Rican edition of the EDU podcast. The last one. We're Aww. we're joined today with the one and only Renee Robin. Renee Robin. This podcast will be rated R G G. Renee Beep Robin. <laughs> there may be some there may be some fucking vulgarities. There might be bleeps. There might be bleeps. There might be bleeps. And also as you can hear, the dulcet tones of Rob Grimm's voice. I am here, as always. We're, so we're at the end of our trip. Yeah, we are. The end of the trip. We're actually back in San Juan. Yes, we are in a very cool place. We're sitting in the hotel room. Right. We're surrounded by our bags. We're exhausted. It's like an ocean of bags in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's an ocean of bags, but it's cool. The other two rooms aren't ready. We got here early. Right. So we're just hanging out here, toe wrestling. It's yeah, cool. we actually trashed the other place to the point of being it, <laughs> of it, it uninhabitable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we ran out of food, so we decided to go to San Juan. But I don't think we ran out of booze, did we? It was all frozen, so oh, also well, undrinkable. Yeah. But we also made like nine trips to the liquor store At in least. three days. Yeah. That was a spectacular amount of alcohol. Well, I mean, with 25 people or 23 people, you know, that, that happens. That's true. This does you happen. Buy bulk. There's no Costco down here. <laughs> All right. So, Renee. Let's talk with Renee. Yeah. <laughs> Longest intro ever. Yeah. Renee. Maybe the worst, too. How the hell are you? Good. Re- Renee, I, don't, I, didn't, I know almost nothing about you. What? Next to nothing. Seriously? Let's start. You were not paying attention. Man, we've hung out in like Let's hot tubs. In, yeah, in multiple and like, countries. And how yeah, can you how not know countries? anything about Renee Robin? I, I mean, I know more than I'm leading on to. We're doing a podcast, and I'm trying to fucking <laughs> ask a question that lets our oh, viewers. Oh, leading question. Jesus Christ, a bunch of goddamn amateurs. <laughs> what he's trying to say is, <laughs> Renee, for our audience who oh, might not know God. your work, which is probably impossible, what do you do? <laughs> Define your style well, and the images that you well, make. Well, remember earlier how I said I'm not good with social cues? Yeah. That was a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> Even Rob, too. Is just like, come on, come on, what's wrong with you? We, we left our brains in the ocean yesterday. It's been a long, long couple I'd days. Noticed. The jellyfish. Yeah, or whatever you. it was that bit everybody. Did you get stung by one? Yeah, I got nailed on the, uh, my back. So did you feel it hit you, or all of a sudden it was just All of a sudden burning. it was just like, oh, I'm on fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. So glad I avoided that. But like 45 percent of the people we were with wound up with some sort of weird jellyfish or sting or, or snake bite or some 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 weird sand fleas yeah the, the sand shit fleas out of everybody yeah crazy sand fleas gary martin you hear that you yes. might have sand fleas right now i might yeah. probably that's more the least of my worries more than likely <laughs> yeah so let's go back to renee let's just <laughs> rewind for one minute renee can you define your style and no. what you do <laughs> renee, what exactly do you do because you're on the road all the time yeah um i uh in a long week. <laughs> She's eloquent. <laughs> She's as eloquent as she is dark. You've been on the road for months now, actually. Yeah, I've you, been on the road left. for months. Like, I haven't been home since I saw you guys in Germany. Wow. And yeah, from before, before then, that. for Photokina, yeah. Right. Yeah, I left in August, and so it's... Still going. <laughs> it's now mid-November when we're recording this. So you've God, been is on it the already road. mid-November? I have one more month left. It's mid-November, yeah. <laughs> so you're on a five-month junket. Four-month, yeah. Yeah, that's a long one. 
yeah it's a long haul but it's good um no. where have you been and what have you been doing i mean well i've been uh, i've put myself back on the teaching circuit this fall i have been i took kind of a year off of teaching just to take a breather and everything so i put myself back on it and uh i did some exploration in berlin kind of checked it out i've never been there before that was amazing and then i uh, did a two-day compositing workshop in copenhagen which was great and I presented at Fotokina in Germany for Adobe, and that was also awesome. Had a big crowd, very enthusiastic, yeah. <laughs> which is really nice. Uh, and then I why, did a Why lecture. were they enthusiastic? Were they like yelling? They were like, like yeah, yelling and cheering. <laughs> yeah, when I went up there, yes, I was like spindle. yelling and cheering and stuff. Like, I had a bunch of friends, oh, European okay. friends show up, and so they were loud and rowdy. And so that always nice. was a big confidence boost. <laughs> so when you say you were exploring in, in Berlin, what were you shooting? What were you doing? Uh, there I wasn't really shooting anything. I, you know, was just checking out if it's a city worth kind of expanding into. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, and I, I'd just never been before. And so typically when I go overseas before, it, when I go to new cities, I kind of go in there first and just check it out, feel it out. Don't really worry about photography or anything. Just kind of get the vibe of the city. Right. And Berlin was that. And it was so great. Right. It was, it was really, really fun. And you hail from Western Canada, kind of a different part of the world. Yeah, yeah, farm country. <laughs> yeah, but there yeah. are quite a few photographers that have emerged from there. Yeah, there's a ton of photographers yeah, from Edmonton Nikki that are really Harrison, good. Amanda Diaz, or quite a few people that. What is it in the? What's in the water there that's creating? It is syrup so fucking it's syrup. It is oh, let yeah. yeah, it's syrup in the water. It's the maple syrup. Yeah. they don't even drink we, water. We in. take <laughs> shots of it. <laughs> they don't. No one sweats up there. So yeah. <laughs> Their pores are all clogged with yeah. syrup. They yeah. can't sweat. <laughs> that's how it's done. <laughs> Actually, I believe that about Renee. She's walking around here in a million degrees and all black and, and layers, and now yeah. really sweating. So yeah. her her pores are probably clogged with syrup. Definitely not yeah. clogged. <laughs> when you're walking along the you sand, you exfoliate. <laughs> no, when you're walking along the sand today, and I was carrying my my backpack yeah, there, hot. my the sweat was just running down my back. Yeah. So, no, not clogged. They function. I made a couple. I saw a couple of people when Renee walked by. They just went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> he just did a hail mary. <laughs> for those of you who just can't the, see what the, he did, the cross, the sign of the cross. I was just, Psh, whatever. Yeah. They did not. Yeah, Do you think did. that they were doing that, <laughs> hopeful that she would survive the heat, or more hopeful that they would survive her? I think it's 60-40. You, you, you choose. What do you, you think choose. it is, Renee? <laughs> I don't care. It's their fucking problem. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have expected that answer. So how would, how would you define your work? And when did you have like the aha moment of, oh, that's my style? I never really did. I mean, I was the style that I have kind of floats around, but it definitely has a kind of more video game fantasy element to it which is pretty thick all the way through my work i mean i've i've loved video games i've played them since i was a teenager and i've read fantasy books since i was a little kid so any fabio no fabio no sorry fabio. so what are the, what are <laughs> other fantasy books yeah. <laughs> let's, oh, let's I can't. go through them <laughs> um i read the forgotten realms series i read the Dragonlance series i read lord of the rings i read um, I can't really call it fantasy, but I read Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace. Yeah, that's different. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. But it, it felt like fantasy because it was just this epic long tale of a bunch of names I couldn't fucking remember. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, so that kind of stuff. And then, of course, playing video games is a huge influence. And I hadn't actually realized the influence that games had had on my style until just like last year I started playing the video games I played when I was a teenager. And I was going, oh. There's That's that where it came from. Oh, there's that thing. Oh, there's that thing. Oh, that thing. But I didn't even realize it, you know, even though I hadn't started making digital art and photography till like 10 years later. 
what was your so, what was your entry into photography then uh i'll make it as short as possible but okay. i mean i started with a modeling career right and uh 11 years into it i was kind of bored and so it was like well what am i gonna do 11 years of modeling that's a long time yeah i'm at 18 years right now um yeah. that's <laughs> a long time yeah <laughs> uh but in other case so i started in there and 11 years into it i was really bored and i have come from an illustration background so i draw it and i wasn't amazing it's a saying that all photographers are failed artists and sometimes that's true and i guess i fall into that category i hope that's not true <laughs> <laughs> failed illustrators i mean like failed right. drawers you know yeah. uh anyways that's that's the joke but i know a lot of who aren't but i think i fall into that category okay uh in other case i was you know bored with it but i was like well maybe i feel like trying photography so i borrowed uh, a point and shoot and i took pictures of macro things things that had nothing to do with modeling or people or anything like that and uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was it was fun. And then I upgraded to a Nikon D80 and I took photos of motorbikes and my friends and stuff like that, like as we do, right? And it was right. actually a running joke, an absolute running joke that I was ever going to be a professional photographer because my photos at first were so bad. I have a, a folder. Really? I, I had a folder on Facebook called I Take Blurry Photos because they were so bad i could not get a shot in focus <laughs> like there is hope for everyone is that right <laughs> considering where i came from my photos were so bad they were atrociously awful that's awesome yeah and you know i just worked and worked and worked and tried to get better i mean as we all do when we find something that's really exciting right and it you know was so much faster than drawing uh but then you know nine ten months into taking photos uh i ride motorcycles i was riding my bike to work one day and i got hit and run over by a vehicle on the way to work and so uh it ran the vehicle ran over my leg and crushed it into oblivion yeah that's um, not a good day no it was not a good day <laughs> i was supposed to be walking fashion week in a couple weeks and the designers are like oh you know do you think you'll be okay and i'm like uh <laughs> you know they're telling me i don't know if i'm gonna be able to keep my leg at this point you know if oh, i if wow. i oh wow if it that, was that bad it was so bad um it got really infected if i if the vehicle had run over my leg one inch in either direction i would have lost my leg at the foot or my knee well oh really crushed, yeah i would have crushed the joint i was like if you're gonna get run over you, you got it the way the to right do it spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was perfect that's fortunate yeah it was you know unluckily right, lucky as, or luckily right, unlucky. exactly <laughs> as fortunate as you can be for having such an unfortunate thing happen to you yeah yeah and so but i mean there was at one point it got really infected and the blood wasn't coming out or anything and they're like so we might want to cut things out of it and it was just it was really sketchy but i'm sitting there in icu going like crap my rent's due in three weeks what am i supposed to right. do like, all my skills ever since i was born i mean you know growing up on a farm on an acreage uh, you're used to having functioning legs. <laughs> right. And so all that was now in jeopardy and basically thrown out of the window. Everything was gone. Pretty terrifying time. Uh, it was actually really calm. Really? Why? Because... See, most people would think that that would be a terrifying time if you're about to lose, like, everything you know. Uh, or at least you your way no of knowing When you have no choice... Yeah. When you have no choice, it can be a very calm decision because Free. you don't have a choice. You know, if you... It, I find, for myself anyways, the most I get wound up are when I have options. I go, oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? And in this case, I remember laying there on the side of the pavement just after the vehicle ran off me and I stopped sliding and like the sound in my helmet had stopped you oh, know, yeah, from my head bouncing on the yeah. concrete. And I just took a deep breath in and out and I was like, well, this changes everything. You know, before the ambulances had got there or anything and all I was doing was just like controlling my breathing, trying to keep myself from screaming. It was just like, cool, just breathe, relax, right. you know, and just you know, I put my fingers under my hamstring to feel how broken my leg was and I just pulled gently and I felt the sag 
between my knee and my ankle and i was like oh that's broken <laughs> that wow. is very very broken i mean the the bones had stuck out through my leg and everything it was bad but you didn't look did you i couldn't i didn't want to i didn't know if i'd broke my back i didn't want to yeah. move i mean i've been i've been injured before like when we were training horses you know i right. fall off them or uh you know i did a lot of extreme sports and when you fall it's like wiggle your fingers and toes and see if your legs still right. work <laughs> and i couldn't couldn't wiggle anything so i was just like all right well we'll just wait Lie till the still. paramedics yeah and so i was just breathing um but it's it's something it can be really really calming because there's no choice except for all right you know we'll just make the best of it and i transitioned pretty quickly into like oh i'm on crutches for the rest of my life cool that's it and i didn't really think about it hmm. and uh until I started doing physio and I remember it was, it was December. I didn't walk for six months, basically. What's physio? And, uh, physical physiotherapy. Therapy. Physical therapy. Is that a Canadian thing? The way they call it is physio. yeah, it's physical therapy down okay. where we are. Excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Right. It's okay. Excuse <laughs> south of the Excuse Canadian the border southerner. is physical therapy. <laughs> I just, I didn't know that sounded kind of cool. Physio yeah. It was, it was like training my, training my legs, uh, the muscles to work again, the nerves. Right. And, uh, right. I, I just, I didn't even put it in my mind that I was going to be able to walk again. It was just like, okay, this is it, you know? So it's like, Man. figure out how to carry your gear on your back with crutches. Cool. We'll figure it out. You know, um, look into ways to drive with paddles. Like if there is mm -hmm. such a thing, I started researching it just in case, you know, and I never allowed myself to think like, oh, I wish this. Oh, I wish that. Right. Cause that would have torn me apart. Yeah. That's, that's where a lot of people really collapse. Yeah, exactly. But it was just like, that wasn't functional. You know, it's like my rent's due in three weeks. What am I supposed to do? And so it was like, well, I've been doing photography. So I guess I've got to get, you know, really good, really fast and at a thing that nobody's doing. Cause I was like, I can't shoot weddings. Right. I have no idea how to shoot products. I, I'll get laughed out of every commercial studio I walk into because I'm not that good, right. you know? And so it was, uh, from there I went into, I was like, well, compositing at the time wasn't really a thing. It wasn't very big. And so I was like, well, I will get as good at that as possible and create a market for myself. And that's what I did. And I mean, it was rough. <laughs> it That's was kind of interesting, rough. though, that you had enough wherewithal to think, okay, these are my weaknesses in the photo business. And to see that not enough people were doing compositing and move in that direction. Yeah, well, it was, it was the only thing that I could do. I mean, I wasn't a good photographer. And I, I mean, from coming from the modeling side, I had so many photographer friends and I didn't want to compete with them. You know, oh. I didn't want to like damage those friendships. You know, those are people that I cared about. I didn't want to take their work by undercutting them. Did you feel like you would be stealing your, their work? Uh, n well, I mean, if I had gone in to shoot weddings or something, I mean, of course I would never compete with a $5,000 client, right. but I didn't want to be the photographer that was like, oh, I'll shoot your wedding for $300. Yeah. You know, that was, that was undercutting and bad for the market right. as total. And I didn't want to do that. So I was like, well, I'll just create something and see if people like it and see if people want it. Cause I think they would. And they did. Then what were the first composites you created? If you're on crutches and you're not really shooting, were you were you I shooting sh some stuff shooting. that was okay? So you were you were shooting images and then compositing them together. Yeah, the yourself. first three weeks though, I was completely bedridden because uh, they couldn't cast my leg because of all the open wounds. Yeah. Uh, so they I had to I was always going into the hospital and they'd have to like recut everything open so it would bleed again. So basically, the first month was just like. Well, you're not shooting survival. anything. Yeah, you're not. I wasn't shooting, shooting anything. Yeah. yeah so I, I was not. I was just sitting on the computer. I was uh, staying with skills. my mom and I just like, I would just Photoshop every single day, you know, until I couldn't stay awake anymore. And I got in trouble a couple of times because like, you need to rest, like your body needs sleep. Yeah, I was like, but I haven't left this broken. bed in three days. Yeah, I'm right. totally resting, but it's, it's different. So I probably pushed a little more than I needed to. But I mean, you know, cycling back to the, the walking stuff. I remember the first time in physio, 
that I took a step without my crutches and it was not a good step at all. And it was really painful and it hurt really bad. I actually rebroke my leg when I took that step. Ooh. Um, it, because it was so damaged. I mean, I rebroke it five times in physio because it was so broken, even with all the metal and everything. But the, I rough. just remember the first step without crutches. And I just, I just bawled because all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, there's a chance I, I can walk right. again. And it, it just had never entered my mind. You know, it was just like, okay, cool. This is life. And then all of a sudden realizing that, holy crap, there's a possibility that maybe I can ski again. You know, maybe I will be able to move without crutches. Maybe I can go backpacking, you know, and do photography around the world. Right. And it was just like this huge door opening experience. So it was like, and it was so funny as all it was is one step. <laughs> That's <You> amazing. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So what were the first images that you were compositing? What, what, did you, what did you first start working on? Oh, the first image that I was compositing, the first one I did was actually of, a, of two of my friends in the basement because I wanted to see if I could do it. And, you know, I went over there with my crutches. I have so much to thank for my friends who drove me around because I couldn't drive, right? So, like, my friends and my family would, would pick me up and take me to shoots or to friends' places, and I would meet there. And uh, so we went over to my friend's place and crutched down into the basement, like slid down the stairs on my bum. And, <laughs> right. uh, you know, they had, they, I was just like, you know, bring some outfits. Let's see what we can do. You know, and I, I, I've always been obsessed with Europe. I mean, of course, reading about fantasy stuff, you're like castles and fairies and dragons and crap. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was, just, I was so obsessed with Europe and I'd never been able to go. So I was like, well, I can't really go anywhere right now. So let's make a shot from Europe. And so I went on to DeviantArt and found some free stock footage like I'm not gonna sell it obviously I don't know right. what I'm doing and a friend of mine had given me a little tip in Photoshop about blending modes and I have so much to thank him for that because do you remember what that tip was yeah well, he just showed me blending modes and how they work and it just like it this light bulb went off in my head of like oh my god I can create composites like this and right. nobody's making composites like this everyone's doing these super crazy cutouts having to hand draw in all the shadows and I was like I can use you know grayscale and and light and color to to make these composites this way and it was just changed were these, everything were these me. images lit with a bare bulb in a basement or what'd you, what were you doing for lighting well no because i still had <laughs> i still had you know the camera and this really cheap horrible lighting setup from ebay <laughs> it was oh, like 150 dollars for three lights and they worked sometimes and electrocuted you the other times <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it was bad but it was what i had right and it, you know when you're in that situation it's like oh you, if you go oh i wish i had this oh i wish i had that you're destructive you're just yep. breaking yourself down and saying, seeing all the reasons why you can't do something. And I was just like, well, this is what I've got. You know, I'm like, I can't walk. I got crutches. I'm cool. I can move around. I mean, my first commercial shoot was a beauty college. And there's a picture of me with my crutches, with my Nikon D80 and a little 50 mil lens. And I'm just like propped up <laughs> shooting these headshots. So you were getting clients pretty quickly. Uh, I was hungry. <laughs> it's amazing. Really? amazing what what food will so do how were you. you getting clients back then i was just talking to everybody i mean everybody that i knew i was just like look i have to make a go of this so does anybody need i mean i had a friend you're of hobbling mine. around at this point like mm -hmm. networking or is this over the phone cold calling mostly internet, internet. i just i mean because i had a huge network from being in the, in the modeling industry for so long uh, um and that that helped a lot yeah. Because I was already so used to talking to people, like cold calling people being, I mean, you know, at the time I was, 
I'm not a very tall model. I had a very unique look. I mean, I had super long red hair. Same thing, I applied the same theory to my modeling that I did to photography. Be unique. Yeah, because I, I knew I was too short for most runway stuff. I didn't have a commercial look. I didn't have any of that stuff. So I had to be like, okay, I'm gonna be this weird special thing you know, that, you know, and I quote unquote special, but just different. You know, I had like long red hair past my butt. <laughs> right. I was super skinny, super pale. I didn't have any tattoos. Um, and so I was really, really good at a couple of different looks. And there's a knock at the door. We Someone's should. knocking at the door. Someone's at the door. Let's see who it Do is. Do me a favor. We're gonna oh, it's Tomas. Tomas. Dun, dun, dun. Right in the middle of our podcast. We're podcasting. Yeah. Oh, what a son of a... All right. Oh, okay. perfect. Everyone, everyone, now, everybody's doing a great job of being quiet. Yeah, Why don't you just throw just, all that stuff down, yeah, guys? <laughs> everyone, well done. Well done. Maybe chew, chew your gum really loudly. Can, can we continue, Tomas? Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you. You've interrupted and upset Renee. I'll start crying right now. She might start crying right now. Throw some stuff at you. No, just kidding. I saw you arm wrestle yesterday. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so the audience that you had, you'd built up an audience as a model. Did, sort did of, that yeah. I mean, like social media wasn't really a thing when I was right. when I was modeling a lot more. It wasn't. It's it's not like it is now at all. Right, at all, did, at all. Did at that all. audience become the basis of your audience as a photographer? Did they flip and follow some you, did. or and some did, did some, some of those did. people even apply? Some did, some didn't. Yeah. I mean, I have a way bigger audience as a photographer than I ever did as a model. I mean, I can happily acknowledge that I'm a far better photographer than I was a model. What um, do you think that is? Uh, I think uh, I have, there's so many more tools available. So I knew my look as a model was very limiting. I was really good at one or two things and I used that typecasting to make my career. But yeah, you're, well, in that sense, you're trying to fit into somebody else's vision. Mm -hmm, like you're trying, exactly. to, you're hoping that your look is going to fit somebody else's vision. Yeah, now it, you get to drive the vision. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, in this case, with the photography, I can be way more diverse. Whereas it, with the modeling, it was like I had one or two looks, I did them really well, and people, I didn't really get repeat hired. Well, I got repeat hired a lot, but uh, I worked with so many different photographers on that one time that they were looking for something really different, and so. You know that was, and that's why my portfolio, uh, I, it's basically pulled down now. But my portfolio has a very artistic look to it because that's that's the thing that I was hired for usually. Was it hard to get work that way, or easy to get work with that artistic side? Um, it was relatively easy. I mean, because you were hustling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're like the Rick Ross of Canadian models. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, Canadian photographers. Yeah, it was. I mean, it would have been a lot easier with social media now being what it was i mean when i first started i was 13 right so and there was there was no internet back then right. basically uh but i applied all of that hustle like i i mean when i got the internet i think i was 16 years old and i would network from the time i got home from school to like two three in the morning what with was the photographers platform? all over the world what was the platform back then oh man um so I was like one of the first signups on Model Mayhem. I remember one zero zero four. Wow! So <laughs> wow! <laughs> I was on that early. That is early. There was yeah. a website called One Model Place. Um, so uh, there was there was a few of them out there. There was a few of them out there, and uh, 
I mean, I just like every single day I was talking with people, you know, designers, everything, and just, you know, building relationships as opposed to like, hey, we should do this, we should do this. It would be, you know, building a communication back and forth over the matter of months. So I was in it for the long haul of instead of being like, hey, we should work together next week of, you know, hey, you're in Vancouver, you do incredible work, Um, you know, let's talk. And then maybe in two or three years when I go out there, we can do something. And so I wasn't really worried about it you know, being immediate. And so I applied that same philosophy to building a photography network of, you know, and admittedly when I was first, when I was first run over, like I shot everything people were willing to let me shoot because money is money. And it was of course cheap, but it was enough. That's one thing is one of the things I've noticed about you in our conversations, you are um, pretty intent on planning things out but also knowing when you're not ready for something. Like we were talking about an image that you want to make with these horses. Mm-hmm. And it's been in your mind for a while. You haven't, haven't made it. You haven't felt like you've been ready for it. So you allow that to like be a driving force for you, right? Yeah. Knowing that you have to build towards something so you're in the right moment for it. Exactly. Well, I mean, everything's an analysis of what am I doing today and how is it going to affect tomorrow? How are these habits going to help me in a month? How is how is that month going to affect my six months? And how is that six months going to affect my year, my five year, my ten year? See, a lot of photographers don't do that. They never plan that far out. Not even photographers, but people. Right. Well, true. Right. But I find, and and that was, that mindset. I mean, came from my family. It came from friends. It came from having. I mean, I've always been really willing to have friends that are much older than me, and I listen. I listen to them. I don't sit there and, you know, when, when grandparents are talking about, you know, some, some thing that they did in their 40s or 50s, you know, I'm, like, making notes the entire time. You know, I remember uh, I actually had this great opportunity. Things kind of went full circle. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so when I was in high school, this tattoo artist from Bear's Skin Art came to my school. And at the time, this was, of course, modeling, pre-photography, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, well... You know, I'd love to be a tattoo artist. I was drawing at the time, and I was like, well, I'll go listen to this talk. It's a career day kind of thing. Right. And he came in, and he, he sat everyone down, and he was like, all right, you know, who here wants to be a full-time artist? Didn't even say tattoo artist, artist. Whole class raises their hands, right? And he's like, that's awesome. One or two of you might do it. And that's it. And the whole class was just crushed, right? The whole right. class was just like, oh, my God. But for me, it was a motivator. I was like, that's... I can be one of those too. <laughs> right on. Um, but, and so I was, I was sitting there and, and listening to his talk and he was, you know, saying how uh, the tattooing industry is changing and lots of more people are getting into it because the, the quality of the artwork is getting higher and higher and higher and a lot of people can't keep up to it. And I remember I showed him my, my sketch portfolio at the time and he looked at my work and he's like, two years of art school, I'll give you a job. And right I was on. like, well, that's cool, but I'm not going to art school. <laughs> so I got to figure something else out. But, I mean, his entire lecture that he gave us, I was absolutely hanging on every single word. And so, sure enough, fast forward that almost 15 years later, I was invited to teach at a school, to speak at a school, elementary kids, or sorry, not elementary, junior high. Mm -hmm. So, grade seven to nine. And uh, I actually emailed, I kept in touch, and this is another thing, I kept in touch with Bear all those years. Right. The tattoo artist. I mean, it, not all the time, but if I was in the area, I would stop into the studio, say hello. Uh, and then I would, you know, I just always was there. And so sh- 15 years later, I sent him an email and I was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know, thank you so much for that, for that speech you did. I've got an opportunity right now to pay it forward. 
and I can go to the school and give this lecture. And so I did. And I said, you know, who here wants to be a full-time photographer? Whole class raises their hands. And I said, well, statistically speaking, and realistically from my high school, there's two of us full-time doing art that I'm aware of, and only two out of a class of 500 kids. So um, you crushed most of their dreams is what you're saying. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what no, I, I know. did. I'm totally teasing you. You, 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 yeah. And so what I did with these kids, I said, you know, statistically speaking, you know, all these kids raise their hand. And I said, statistically speaking, two of you are going are gonna to do it. And I said, but the great thing about statistics is that you guys can break it. And I was like, don't listen to me and say, it's only going to be two of you. And better yet, which two of you is it going to be? Right. And I said, it doesn't have to be two. It can be the whole class. It's like, every, all these rules are meant to be broken. So go out there and break it. I was like, we don't want to be repeating the same stuff when you're 25, when you're 30. I was like, this all needs to change, so make it happen. So would you define yourself as a rule breaker? I didn't really think about the rules. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes. So yes. I, I think that's no a yes, right? No fucks given from Renee Rabbit <laughs> on the rules. Wait, I, I want to back up. Why aren't you ready for the horse shoot? Um, what what are you doing with horses that you're not ready for? Hmm, secret squirrel info. If I tell you, I have to kill you. <laughs> Can we talk about it? Or just <laughs> um, it's just it's just a really really big conceptual shoot. It's a lot bigger set and a lot more moving parts than I've ever worked with. There's and unicorns, aren't there? You there's no check. unicorns. Ah, no don't unicorns. Do it. Don't do it. <laughs> all right, then. All right. No, so just, then there's just lots of it's. It'll be you know a very large outdoor shoot, which is something that I, I don't like doing and I'm not comfortable with. I mean, I loudly are most profess- of your shoots outdoors. No. <laughs> All the composites. They appear. They're all all right. composite. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, I shoot but you still have to shoot the back plates out. But the back plates, but not with lighting so and moving things. Okay, so you don't like shooting people outdoors. Yeah, it's. I don't like taking lighting outdoors and all that. Kind of, it's not my thing. I love how it looks. It's there are no power outlets. That too. <laughs> <laughs> the technology's there, though. I'm kidding. I know. I just don't like it. Just don't like it. You yeah, like I just. Nature. I get. Uh, I get. When I'm when I'm out shooting background plates, I like to be like in the moment with myself and just kind of taking it all in. But when I'm outside with a whole bunch of moving parts i find that i sometimes still because i haven't had a ton of experience with i'll sometimes get distracted by things that shouldn't distract me so i need to start smaller and build up when we were at the beach and you spent seven hours shooting waves (laughs) were you shooting back plates of those waves yeah okay that's exactly what i was doing i knew it i was like man she's really getting after it it's i only took the fifth hour I only took 200 photos though it yeah. wasn't that many because it's just only it's for back plays that's yeah, easy no, you know I especially know. on a moving subject but it's you know changing the aperture changing the shutter speed changing the focal length everything like that so do you so, know what you're going to do with those waves yeah a lot of time I turn those things into into brushes so I, I love using brushes. Did you shoot most of those waves slightly out of focus with where you think the subject would have been? Yeah, or? absolutely. Yeah, whenever, if it's something that I'm putting someone in, I'm already visualizing. If I was shooting this on location, where would I put them? Okay. Yeah. So you don't necessarily, do you know, like, uh, the approximate, like, height you were at, or do you not care about that? Uh, I actually took photographs of people in the waves earlier, so I have roughly so a have size references. reference. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Look at you, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> She might actually know what she's doing. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> the craziest thing. So, all right, then I have I have another question. All right. Why didn't you want to go to art school? What is it about going to school for? Yeah, you were immediate no on that one. Yeah, because art school makes you makes you work like everyone else. And what what do you mean? Well, I mean, in some ways, in some ways, going to art school, like say, if I'd gone instead of to art school, graphic design school, um, I think I would have a, a far better grasp on on color theory and on composition and things like that, uh, that would have helped me a lot. Right. But 
at the same time, I watched a lot of really good artists and very unique artists go into art school and come out these little cookie cutters. And I was oh. like, eh. So you're and, feeling And also, it was like, the other side of it, and this is the practical side from my family, uh, is it was, don't go, to, don't go to college unless you can pay that back. So go to college and be a lawyer. Go to college and be a doctor. Go to college and something that's going to pay decently so that it makes the tuition worth it. Going to school for art seemed, for, for me anyways, it was just like, well, I can I can teach myself art. Right. You know, art is so subjective. Yeah, completely subjective. Yeah, and there's there's so many so many great. I mean, even at the time, there were so many great books out there. You know, I have tons of books on anatomy and perspective and everything else that are that are amazing. Um, and and that information is still there, and it doesn't change. Right. Right. So I mean, the rules of light don't change. So effectively, you in many ways, you were also worried about the parameters of art school changing who you were fundamentally mm. as an artist i don't know if it would have ever changed me fundamentally well, maybe I, a little if bit you're, if you're feeling like it, it it makes cookie cutter people yeah they're kind of tunneled into a specific well i've always kind of had that opinion venue. about and you know i've had that opinion about school anyways all school i mean i was and you know thank my mom for this i was homeschooled for a few years uh, my sister and i both were mm -hmm. and going into the regular school program was like holy crap we are being trained to be little guinea pigs to run a rat race you know it's like oh it's 10 a.m time for your coffee break oh it's lunch time for your lunch break you know and you're just getting programmed to be these little friggin drones you know, you're not taught nobody teaches critical thinking in schools they're just like yap 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 read you know listen to this you know spit it out on a piece of paper and this tells us you're a good student you know it tells us that you're smart and i was like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> Fuck right off. <laughs> you know, I didn't I mean, I I didn't study for my my exams. I mean, I I went to a program that was uh, it was really cool. They would teach. It was a kind of a, a, a different school, it was a charter school, and they would teach kids in ways that they uh, that their learning style, which was right. different. Um, but at the same time, it was still this this like this this weird, you know, well, let's get you ready for corporate life. You know, let's do this. Let's do this. And and I was just like, I don't want to. I don't want to be that. I don't want to live that rat race. You know, it was. It was like there has to be another way out of this. I just didn't know what it was yet, but I was just looking for it. And so, um, in some ways, it was really good that I was homeschooled because then it taught me to be an individual, to not worry about conforming, to not, you know, and and young to not worry about that kind of stuff. And then as I got older, so junior high and high school, it taught me how to work within the rat race effectively as opposed to being a complete social outcast and being completely useless to the system. That's interesting that you say that because I was wondering about the, the social aspect of your life when you're homeschooled and you're not around a bunch of other kids. No, we were around Are other kids because it was farm kids, right? Okay. We were out in the so you weren't feeling ostracized in that sense. Feral kids. Yeah, feral kids. <laughs> feral, <laughs> feral homeschool kids. That's a weird thing. They do weird things in Canada, man. <laughs> I like it. Well, it I worked. agree. Yeah. It worked, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it was just you know, that was something that was really pushed, and I was okay with it. You know, it didn't didn't bother me any. So, yeah. <laughs> right so, on. what would it take for you to enroll in a school? Are there any teaching methods out there that you look up to, or aspire to, or think we should go towards? Well, what's funny is uh, now she teaches. I'm saying I'm a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Can tell I'm tired. What's funny is. I was doing photography and I was sitting there and I, and I was going, I have all these limitations. I can see it in my work. I can see what I'm doing. And it was three or 
three years into shooting at that point, like after the accident. And I was like, you know what? I think this is a decision that I can stand by. I'm going to sign myself up for, to- for photography at one of the local colleges. And I'm going to do the two-year program. Because I was like, there's all these fundamentals that I know I don't understand. And so the week that I was going to go to register, I got an email from the college saying, hey, can you come in and teach? You're kidding. <laughs> yeah. So you can't be a student the same and week. <laughs> really? Yeah. And so I, I laughed and I went in and had a meeting with the guys. And I said, do you understand that I was, I was literally about to send in my application to be a student? And they were like, no, it's okay. You don't need it. <laughs> really? So, I'm so did still, you teach? I'm still, I still teach. Yeah, I taught yeah. there. Um, I, I crushed dreams 30 kids at a time. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did they ask you to teach? And how did they see you? Obviously, they saw you on social network, but um, I'm assuming they did. What oh, did a lot of it, a lot of those, the, the instructors I knew me from the modeling world and just okay. kept track. Yeah. What did they want you to teach? What was it about your work that they wanted? Uh, sometimes they wanted me to come in and do like the inspirational stuff. Sometimes they wanted me to come in and do like, you know, compositing. That's, that's the thing that I get hired a lot to, to talk about. I mean, I can do so much more than compositing, but compositing is the one that I've been typecast into. You know, so we've talked about a lot of stuff, but we haven't touched on your inspiration yet. I mean, we, we know it's kind of fantasy, but what about what what are the things that come into your mind that, that kick in and say, oh, I got to make that. We can image. talk about Creed later, Rob. Let's. <laughs> what would you like to talk about? <laughs> I was just kidding. It was, it was a joke, <laughs> but it was a Creed joke. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I didn't you get totally it. Totally derailed we, that. Yeah, well done. Yeah, sorry. Bad timing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you're saying, Rob? We'll edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> um, I was I was just asking about your inspiration. What what kicks in the ideas for you? Where do you find um, your influences, and what are your what, kind of what are your processes for creating the image? Oh, that's a whole bunch of it's questions. A, it's a all lot. In one. Well, let's break it down. All right. So let's start with the inspiration. Uh, the inspiration, of course, comes from being obsessed with art. So I have or I had, they passed away the last, the last year. Both my grandparents on my dad's side were artists. My grandmother actually has art in the Gallery of Canada, I believe, permanent cool. gallery. And my grandfather is this incredible storyteller. And so is my dad, but my dad uses it to scare the crap out of us when we were kids. Right. <laughs> but my, my grandfather would tell these incredible stories of the, the Greek gods and, and goddesses uh, in, this, in the sky, you know, so we'd look up at the sky and we would see all this incredible stuff, you know, and he would tell us the stories of like Cassiopeia and Medusa and all this. And it was, it was really cool. Oh, we have more things coming in the door. Yeah. <laughs> right, right now, guys, this yeah. is a, <laughs> this there's is an extra bed being delivered to the room. <laughs> the yeah. housekeeper's in the room. Now she just left. <laughs> Wait, this is one of the more interesting podcasts. <laughs> We're not cutting anything out of this podcast. I hope everyone knows that. Yeah, it's all staying. <laughs> It's all staying. So anyways, uh, yeah, he would tell us these stories as, as kids, you know, and, and we would go down to the, the telescopes and look at the rings of Saturn, you know, and so it got me really interested in science. And it got me really, and my grandmother really got me interested in art. She always had these incredibly, incredible art books from all these different artists and painters and sculptors and stuff. And so it was just inundated. My mom's a great artist and my, of course my dad's a great storyteller. So there's all of that. And then being massively interested in science. So, uh, that created that, that foundation of wonder of always being kind of curious. Uh, and so from there it was going, well, the, the world is so interesting. I started, started researching scientists and I found Leonardo da Vinci and I found Michelangelo and I found Rembrandt and Caravaggio and, all these incredible painters and I was like oh this is so cool and so as an artist I was going well it'd be really interesting to do this kind of stuff but differently 
you know, and so I started creating my own style of line work, of line artwork uh, that was based on, you know, what I was seeing in my head. On science. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> Just science. <laughs> It's art. Uh, it's art, Rob. Were you not listening to the story? Did you hear she was talking about scientists? <laughs> but I mean, it's, you really it's, derailed that question, though, Rob. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> We're all really tired. I think we'll allow for some transition. No, I think it's interesting yeah, yeah. that she was influenced by science as well. Science is so fascinating yeah. to me. Science is so incredible. I mean, I love the fact that there is nothing that I can do that will ever matter in the really big picture. We're just like this tiny little. Well, not blue with that attitude, dot. Renee. Come on. <laughs> Were these tiny little blue dots hurtling through space, you know, at the end of the day? And blue dots? Yeah, why are we blue? You're pretty pale. We're you're very much well, I mean, your hair is blue. My hair yeah, is blue. Yeah, that's true. But the veins in my chest, because you can see through my skin, is blue. All right. <laughs> <laughs> blue dots. I stand so corrected. We are blue dots. <laughs> uh, but so, I mean, it was, all that stuff is, is all part of the of the mystery, right? And then you know, learning what fantasy stories were and then discovering painters and before I even knew what their names were you know Frank Frazetta, Louis Royo, Soriyama, all these you know uh, painters have been my number one thing that totally inspire me and still do to this day. Are you more inspired by the story of the painting or the lighting in the painting? Uh, I guess I've never really looked at the story. Okay. So uh, you know the colors and the the why they chose the posing that I did my own just you know my own study of that as mm -hmm. opposed to what they really wanted it's not really not do you really have a favorite about. painter yeah it's uh louis royo i'm unfamiliar can you yeah. take, walk me through yeah uh, heavy metal magazine i was i loved heavy metal magazine when i was younger <laughs> and i still do i just you know the artists in there were so different from anything i could find anywhere else at the time and what did, what did he paint really sexy tattooed women crazy monsters <laughs> but he does it in this in this in this portrait kind of way it's, he does watercolor you'd have i, I mean we could find some well, but he's fun. he's yeah. one of the artists that uh i actually had an opportunity to email him a friend of mine gave me his email and he's like dude if you're influenced by his work write him an email and i was like i had that email for like three years and i was like i don't know what the hell to say to this guy <laughs> You know, I, I totally chickened out. <laughs> You're also pretty heavily influenced by other people. I mean, you, you do an enormous amount of research, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always looking. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I think the best way to build great taste is to really, really, really saturate your vision with incredible artwork. I mean, I know for a fact from when I was modeling, the work that I thought was totally awesome when I was 16 is absolutely nothing like the work that I think is totally amazing now. Oh, because like, my taste has gotten so much better. He's like Conan. We just, uh, Corey yeah. just brought me a phone. It's like Conan O'Brien meets sexy women. Conan O'Brien? I mean, Conan the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> Conan O'Brien. <laughs> Dorky redheaded comedian. Conan, yeah. no. Conan, Conan, is it Conan the Conqueror? I'm thinking Conan Ar the Barbarian. Arnold. Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> Conan something. It's just Conan. <laughs> Fucking weird uh, redheaded dude. Uh, Sorry, it's been a really long six days i know oh we're yeah so these are all paintings this is they're all paintings. super surreal they're incredible and so it, if you're listening right now just just search l-u-i-s space r-o-y-o yeah and then go to the images section of google yeah and if you're feeling really randy turn off your safe, safe search <laughs> oh <laughs> randy it gets better <laughs> <laughs>
but right. yeah i mean so that was that was one of my my big ones i mean i just i just loved the way he renders subjects uh and a lot of artists say one of the best ways to create art is in the, the height of the moment or the pause in between and so oh that's interesting i've never heard that before mm-hmm. the height it's, of the moment or the pause in between i like that thought yeah and it's something that's really common with a lot of illustrators and so he balances the two quite nicely but i love i've always loved the way he creates those pauses in between i have two of his paintings huge in my house and i've got a number of his books really originals you've got not originals oh that'd be awesome no i'm not that did you ever write him i never did why not i think we need to write him (laughs) we're gonna do it as soon as this podcast is done you've got his email i don't have his email anymore it's changed how do you know this because the person who gave it to me told me so, Bummer. Yeah, he's an agency managing everything now. So, well, wow, these are inc- whoa, these are incredible, right? Yeah. So I mean, I you can once you look at my work after seeing his stuff, you can see the influence. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would never ever want to copy him. I did one photo as like an homage to him, but it was horribly done. It was years ago when I was early in, and just you know, as like a thank you for the influence. But yeah, I I just love love the way he creates you know beautiful and sexy and strong and in some cases even vulnerable but in men and women Hmm. you know and it's it's something that maybe one day i'll be able to do well would you call yourself an image maker or a photographer or is there is there a difference can you be both are you i think it is possible to be both i mean i actually had a debate with this online uh when we did the smug mug film uh it was shared on dp review Mm-hmm. And normally when digital artists get shared on DP review, they get crucified in the comment section. Why? Uh, because they're not photographers, quote unquote. Right. You know, according to it's, it's a conservative crowd right? on that. And yeah, it's yeah. like, it's a purist crowd, which is fine. I have zero problems with that, but I've always advertised myself as a photographer and digital artist. I mean, I do photograph 99.99999% of all of my elements. So I still have to be able to photograph everything really well. I still have to photograph my subjects. And then I'm yeah, also yeah. adding in digital art. So, so I, I, I think I br- it's possible to be both. We brought that up and it's kind of been this like question we've talked about with a few people. And on the way to uh, the beach yesterday, um, Rob Timko went first on the podcast. So Aaron Nace listened to Rob Timko and Rob Timko was just talking about the frequency at which he photographs and how much he photographs and he you know, still does film. And then in that, Aaron just goes, well, I, I think I need to really seriously consider calling myself a photographer because I, I am not that. I am not actually a photographer anymore. Yeah, it was so interesting. Th- then that posed the question, mm-hmm. so are you just an image maker then? He's like, yeah, I, I am definitely not a photographer. I'm an image maker. So but like, what does just an image maker mean? Because yeah, in many know. ways, that, that could be a lot more involved yeah, than being a photographer. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to say like just an image maker. Yeah. You know, as if it's making it simple. I'm sure somebody listening is like, I'm not just an image maker. And it's like, ugh. Right. It's not about simplifying well, it, making that, that it less value. It's just different. One of the things that I keep hearing in every one of these uh, podcasts and, and talking with photographers, and it's always been the case for um, photographers, is you know, telling the story. But I think the stories that photographers are telling are becoming far more complex as our tools get more involved and, and the, the skill sets of our tools are so expanded. So are the stories which we can create these images from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I think my, my artwork I, I struggle with. And I actually had a discussion recently with somebody who said, you know, I can I can count the number of really great images I've made on one hand. 
and I thought about it and I said, yeah, me too. Well, the really, story, yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is a photographer who'd been working for 25 years and he said, I can count the amount of great images I've done on one hand. Yeah. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, I've, I have two. I can think of two that I, I got the story and I got the artwork and the photography and everything to this day to with the skill level that I have still holds up. Right. So where do the other ones fall short? What do you, what do you not love? For millions of reasons. You know, sometimes it can be the editing or the masking. Sometimes it's the, the styling or the subject choice or the fact that it's a great looking shot, but it's empty. You know, there's, there's not enough of a story there. You know, I find for myself, I always try to create an image where I write enough of the story to get somebody to fill in the rest. And I, that's what I think is powerful for me. But other people love to do this incredible narrative all the way through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's something that I kind of envy and I'm experimenting with now is, you know, how do I write this incredible story in one frame? Because I'm far better with words and with writing stories. I mean, my blog is, is a better example of how I would tell a story than with a photograph. Right. Since your work is, is composited, do you ever go back and rework images thinking like now that you know your brush skills are better or whatever, just as an example, or do you move on? I've totally gone back and reworked stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I did some stuff with the, with the uh, Canadian military servicemen. And I, I went back three years later and reworked one specific shot because I'd always been really kind of unsure about this composition of one pose. And I went back to the original photographs and everything and you know changed some of it up and changed the, the color. And I like it a lot better now. But even still, that's actually one of the shots that I really wouldn't change much because it was, it was so close. And all I did really was changed the one pose of the center subject and tiny adjustments on color mm-hmm. and it was identical so the canadian military mm-hmm. hired you to shoot how no did, did i actually i actually brought in i brought in canadian military servicemen for the shoot oh cool the other way around yeah but the part that was funny is a friend of mine works in the military and uh my images came up in this meeting and it was actually him in the photos oh, and cool. they didn't know that huh. <laughs> And it well, was, they do now. And they do now. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was so funny. It was, uh, they were looking for ways to train veterans in, you know, b- people who've come off from tours and are going to go on to other things, training them in, in skills that are useful in the future. And one of them that had come up was photography and Photoshop. And somebody had, you know, proposed these images like, yeah, it'd be really great if we could, if we could train our servicemen and women in, in art from people who are interested anyways. Right. And just by total fluke these photos were in there and it was really funny <laughs> so who are most of your clients now like- it changes all the time it changes all the time i mean i get i get lots of personal commissions so from men and women who want photographs of themselves or of things and people that they care about i get photographs or contacts from uh, software companies and hardware companies Software has been really good to me. I love working in the software world with technology and, I mean, people who are developing new programs and so on and so forth. That's that's really fun for me. I really get to play around then. Uh, I do lots of work with bands. I do lots of book covers. Um, do you have a favorite book cover? Some of them that are actually coming out next year. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, I have some. Um, my mom start. My mom is an author now. She's writing as well, and so I've done all of her book covers that are being published right now. So some of them get released next year, and I'm really, I'm really happy with the artwork on That's them. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are you doing to promote yourself to get in front of these companies? Do you show do advertising? Up. You just, you just show up. Yeah. What does that even mean? 
It means it means going to places where these people are and being like, hey, how's it going? Where are these and people? Where where are book cover publishers? Well, I mean, book cover publishers. So let's say let's say you want to get in with book covers, right? So one of them you can do is you can reach out to an agency, and an agency is going to give you thirty percent cut of whatever the sale is, and so and that's assuming that you get approved and assuming that your image gets picked out of the hundreds of millions of images in their archive, right? The other way that you can do it is go. Okay, well, you know, I'm in this city. Uh, are there any book clubs going on? Any book conventions? Let's go meet authors. Let's find out where the customers are and go hang out. Mm -hmm. And then know, especially with big companies, that whenever you meet with a big company, it won't be probably till two years until you work together. And that's been pretty true for me. It's, it's definitely not less than a year because these companies are planning five years ahead. So unless something changes really quickly where they're like, oh, we've had a change in management, blah, 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 you know, we change this agency and we have this stuff coming up, then, okay, sure, things can happen sooner. But so typically... you, you can consider yourself a pretty patient individual then? Uh, amazingly, yeah. yeah. Not, not in a lot of ways, but with this, I am, yeah. She's in it for the long haul, but, which is interesting for somebody who is so well-known in social media circles and on the internet for your work. You're really planning out in advance a long time and be very patient waiting for things to uh, come to fruition from the, the groundwork that you've laid, which I don't think a lot of people are doing these days. They want instant gratification. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it doesn't work that way. Instant gratification is oftentimes, I find, very rarely have I found somebody who survives the, the flare of instant success before they burn up and they're done. I mean, yeah. I won't even order anything off the Internet unless it comes tomorrow for free. <laughs> None patience. Even a pizza? None patience. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't use the internet for pizza. I would Rob, hope you wanted earlier. I'm not a savage. Oh, oh right. I forgot. You're not a savage. Sorry. I, I, I still apologize. use the phone for that I sort apologize. of thing. Do you ever want to see me completely fucking lose my shit? Like catastrophically, almost temper tantrum mad is watch my phone not connect to the internet. <laughs> when I don't get 3G, I'm yeah. like, you fucking piece of shit. I will put you through this oh, here wall. Oh, the bleeps again. <laughs> you brought me on. You knew it was happening. I knew We've it. We've been I, so good so far. I know. You've been fabulous. Honest, yeah. honest to God, I'm, I'm only teasing. I'm quite, quite impressed. It's, it's almost as bad as the feeling when you go into the bathroom and you realize you don't have your phone. You're like, no! No! <laughs> but you just can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I'm going to be away from Facebook for these few moments. Well, actually, I had my, my phone recently when I was in Europe. I was just snapping my crayons, man, because I had gone. Wait, I'd, you travel with crayons? <laughs> it's a, it's a matter get, of speech. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Snapping my crayons? Yeah. Where have well, I been? <laughs> I've never heard that. Corey, have you heard this? I snap crayons all the time. Oh. <laughs> Snapping my crayon. Oh, you're, so you're pissed and you're breaking them? Yeah. Just like, fuck, snap, throw. I never, I never <laughs> broke a That's crayon. like flip desk, you know? But it's, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. If it's you would like, have said that, okay. Yeah. yeah it, it's exactly it. It's like kicking okay, the trash can. Okay, let's play it back. <laughs> now do it again with the flip the desk. What, with flipping the desk? Yeah. So let's start yeah. the whole thing over with, with flipping the desk. And then I'll understand. Oh, my this God. This is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Just answer the question. <laughs> Come on now. Sorry. But no, so what happened was I had gone this last European tour. I went from, from uh, Berlin to Copenhagen to Amsterdam to Cologne to Amsterdam to Southern Germany to Amsterdam to Belgium. And it was 
What I was it like, about Amsterdam that kept bringing you back? Because friends of mine live there, and I basically <laughs> oh, okay. right, I like right. ditch my huge bag of stuff, and I just do carry on gotcha. back and forth, back gotcha. and forth, back and forth. And so my phone was, I had changed countries like five times in one day, and by the the last time I'd gone back to Holland. As soon as I crossed into the Dutch border, it was, it just stopped connecting. And I was like, I will put you through a friggin' anything <laughs> work. I just, cause I, I needed to know where to go and I needed to catch my next train. And I was just, and I normally have all this stuff saved, but I was like, Oh, it's been working. So of course I just shot myself in the face. And so text <laughs> messaging worked, but I messaging didn't. And so I'm text messaging a friend of mine and it was just like, ah, just like stage nine catastrophic angry meltdown right. and he messaged me later he's like i think you have a problem <laughs> Note to like, self, really never to be a, never be around renee when there's no internet access well it's it's something when there's no meltdown. internet access that's fine but when there's supposed to be and there isn't uh, so like if it's a technology yeah. breakdown i'm like you are like almost a thousand dollars you brick <laughs> 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 what the hell <laughs> so. so where are you going next you've you've been all over the world you're about to wrap up you know these four or five months on the road mm-hmm. um kind of wh- where do you where do you think you want to go in these next few months with your career and, and the images that you make what are the stories you want to tell um i think well more than anything there's like a fundamental thing and i i want to be able to to love my career again and I, I, are you not loving it now uh it's just been a long year yeah. <laughs> for a lot of reasons outside of photography but i also find that in some ways, as much as I love photography, it's so limiting and so boring. Uh, Do you think you'll go to motion? Actually, I've, I had a lot of people ask that. A lot of people ask if I'll go to motion, and I don't. I would love to try. I've just never done it. I would love to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't happened. Uh, but, I mean, I notice a lot of times in careers, there's there's certain times where where people quit, right? Where mm-hmm. they get tired, where they get you know, well, you know, screw this, I'm done, and and things get hard, and so they they stop doing it. And I know this last year has just been one of those times of when somebody else ahead of me quit, mm-hmm. right? And I see it all the time. You know, people are shutting down their businesses because they've hit that wall and they they don't want to continue anymore. And I've hit this wall before. It just hasn't lasted this long before. Right. Um, but I know that it'll it'll pass. Right. Right. But I just got to get through it, and that's the part that sucks, and that's the part that takes you know, grit (laughs) and just hard friggin' work because the worst part is when you're in a rut, you don't want to work. And that's when you have to work the hardest, right? That's when you, that's, that's how you get through those ruts is by just massive amounts of work. Even if so much of it is bad, just continuing to do the work. Yeah. To persevere. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of talking about this earlier and I think it's interesting that, you know, I, I look at my kids and, and, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll look at life and they'll have a bad day. Right. Um, and as we get older, the, it's not necessarily things are measured in a day. It can be measured in a year mm-hmm. and you can have a bad year where you just have to work through those things. And you have another year that's really positive and really up. Yeah. Um, our careers definitely ebb and flow. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, art, art is an art career is definitely not linear at all. It's, it's up and down and yeah. it's all over the place. It's totally chaotic and at the whim of so many things. I mean, I'm not the only person who noticed, you know, business was fucking crazy weird this year. And a lot of people think it was because of the election and never mind the results. But everyone was really kind of on edge this year. And it showed in the business world. I mean, even Photokina was down five halls this year. And yeah. everything just kind of went on hold. 
and you know my career was the same but I was also on hold for for other reasons that you know external to this but I know that for every single time that I think about quitting that's when somebody ahead of me did quit right and I know that so the using- difference I know the difference between you know a a, a long-term professional professional right. and an amateur is simply the fact that the long-term professional has failed more than the than the amateur has ever even tried right and that's the difference Absolutely. more than anything that's like the fundamental line so are you watching people fail and say i'm not going to let th- i'm going to use that as a motivator it's not so much a motivator i feel bad for them because okay. so many people will never you know that maybe that isn't their calling obviously to be that but i think so many people are so capable of so much more than they let themselves be right. because sometimes things get hard and you know it's i think it's far harder i think it's way harder to give up on yourself and let yourself down and break that promise to yourself than to just get through the hard time because there's like something that breaks when you give up that never goes back the same again yeah yeah right i mean we i, I think agree. all of us have done that at least once where mm-hmm. you let yourself down and that's so much worse or you let the people in your life down or something like that like whatever that that ultimate thing is for you when you when you give that up you know then you know that you can fail and that's that that's failing right right is is walking away and never coming back did you guys hear the story of uh i think this guy was training for a marathon and uh he gets like halfway through it and like just is having a terrible time and this other guy like just blows by him and uh just absolutely he just like fails and like mm-hmm. he goes to meet that guy afterwards the guy ends up being a, a navy seal and he's like how the hell did you train how did you keep going like you're like you were bleeding like right it was this like insane marathon and then he invites the the guy to his house to like get into the mind of how do you not quit and that navy seal was basically it boils down he ended up writing a book and it just boiled down to the average human quits at about 40 percent of what you could do Forty like, percent. Yeah. It's so totally I mean, agree. I mean, That's those, those are totally, you know, irrelevant numbers that he kind of just made up. But he said, you just you you quit at forty percent. Your body is and your mind, more even more importantly, is capable of so much more. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when you think about that, like it kind of makes sense. Like, how easy is it for you just to be like, eh? I give quit. up. Yeah, I, yeah. I give up. We're yeah, capable of going so much further and so much harder. Yeah, and it's so funny when people say, oh, it's so much easier to quit, but like, I think fundamentally it's not. Like, you know, deep down it's not. I, I have been recently watching a bunch of documentaries on, on, you know, really successful people, you know, musicians and artists and, um, you know, business builders and things like that. And all of these people, somewhere in their life, 95% of them have had at least one person who believed in them no matter what. Mm-hmm. So uh, I recently watched uh, Steve Aoki, which, I mean... I'm not a huge fan of his music, but I will totally respect where that guy came from. And he had his grandmother. I believe it was his grandmother or his mother. One of the two. It was his grandmother, yeah. Who just believed in him no matter what. She's like, you've got this. And it never, ever, ever doubted you. Right. And so for me, that's really, really interesting from like a childhood, like early childhood programming. Is that the, the biggest difference between people who succeed and people who fail? Is having, as a child, that one person who knows you can do it and who yeah. tells you that even when the yeah. entire world is telling you otherwise. Yeah, they're instilling confidence you know, in you. That's, but it, and it's, it's not even an obvious confidence. You know, it's just like this tiny little thing that's so far back in your early childhood program that you don't even remember. Yeah. But, and, but is that 
all it is is that one thing and then if that's what it is then how do you if you didn't have that how do you get it that's a that's a hard thing to answer because you know so many people everybody has a different story exactly and there, there are people that came from nothing who you know they don't even know their own background and yeah. they wind up being incredibly successful maybe they did have somebody believing in them but maybe, maybe they had or maybe nothing. it was just in themselves yeah. maybe it was just simply maybe this, they were this that belief person. exactly yeah. right but then my question is then if 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 the self is capable of giving that then how do we get to that when we're older and that's something that i put to myself all the time is i mean it's not that i didn't have people who didn't believe in me but i mean the one person who never believed in me is me ever Never, ever, ever. I mean, it was an absolute joke. Like I said, that I was going to be a professional photographer. It right. was a running joke. I never thought it would happen. This was completely unplanned. But, I mean, still it happened. Well, why did that happen? Because I have these habits that I had built up from when I was a kid, right? You know, when I was, you know, living on the farm, we had we had eggs and we would sell the eggs to the neighbors or we would do in the winter because it gets freaking cold. We would take all the bacon fat and roll it up on pine cones and roll it in birdseed things and sell them for 10 cents a piece. Right. right. Was it that, that like constant in entrepreneurial spirit of like, Hey, this actually works, you know, but how do you continue to reinforce that as an adult? You know, even when the entire world, it, it's funny how the entire world can have a huge impact and no impact at all. Right. And then how do you how do you how do you navigate that so that people can be absolutely everything that they can be? Because every single person I know can be better than where they are. And it's not saying that where they are is bad, where they are right. could be completely and totally perfect for them. But everything could be just like five or 10 percent better or five or 10 percent worse. Right? Sure. But then how do we how do we how do we navigate that and, and make that impact and have all these people? I mean, I mentor people, you know, I have, I have like usually one or two a year that I mentor and my entire point in them, and I don't necessarily mentor photographers, you know, I mentor people who are in the creative industry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how do we get you to see you as the best possible version of you and get you there, right? And it's not about, you know, the village raising a person, it's just like planting that little tiny seed in there that in five years is gonna grow into something. That's, that's what I, I constantly think about it. I can't stop thinking about it. These are big thoughts. <laughs> these are really big thoughts. <laughs> the, the, the biggest thoughts. Th these are the biggest <laughs> thoughts. We may even have to come back to these big thoughts in some of our new conversations that we're going to have with you because we're going we're to see a lot of you in the coming years because you're going to be working with us. Right. Yeah, and actually, that's actually one thing that I'm freaking out about because I'm like, what can I teach? I have no idea. And this You're is the, teach all kinds the of I don't stuff. believe in me thing, yeah. which is ridiculous. Well, we believe in you. In fact, <laughs> I think we should wrap this up. This is one of our longer ones right now. And you guys thought this is all going to be like bad jokes and F-bombs. No. <laughs> we, we knew it was going to be F-bombs. Well, it's, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Let's turn it into that. <laughs> Okay. Let's wrap this up so it's funny, so people aren't so depressed at the end of this. It's funny. Just looking at Rob right now, Sin is right next to him, just completely passed out on the couch. Yeah. I know. He's it done this sleep twitch. A minute ago, Wilkinson was, yeah. was here, and he was he starting to snore. And yeah, like, he did the sleep twitch. He scared himself and, like, scared himself <laughs> awake. He's like the little puppy dog that we saw at the at the house this whole week. Yeah. I'm just like, hi, yeah. guys, hi, guys, hi, guys. Hi, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Sin, by far, said the weirdest things this whole week. <laughs> that's his that's his trademark that's his mo that's his <laughs> well on that note yeah thank you renee for coming down Re renee came down a month or a, a day late so she only had three days with us she right? still had a great time three yeah i still had yeah, tons yeah. of fun i i know these rgg things i don't miss them if i can yeah. help it <laughs> well we're, we're glad that you didn't miss them and we are we are really excited to be working with you 
more in the coming years um, for our audience. Renee is going to become a regular on our on our platform. Right, Renee? I hope you guys find it interesting. Yeah, we did Give too. me an explicit tag, please. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the key. Growing up Maybe only. that's the key if you don't have that excessive nurturing from the beginning. You just then go to RGG trips and then like through that... Boom. Maybe. Rocket ship to the moon. <laughs> maybe maybe RGG trips are <laughs> I'm going to have a drinking problem if that's what that everybody needs. Say it again? Maybe RGG trips are that nurturing moment that everybody needs to really launch their career. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. In, the only nurturing I've done is like my pillows when I'm so freaking tired <laughs> and some sunscreen. <laughs> no complaining. This has been fun. We'll go to the North Pole next time. You'll fit right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I'm going to listen to you guys complain about the cold. Renee, do you want to tell people where they can find your work? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can just Google search Renee Robin Photography, but I mean, you can go to uh, my website, which is ReneeRobinPhotography.com. So it's R-E-N-E-E-R-O-B-Y-N Photography.com. Instagram is the same handle. Twitter is, you know, Renee Robin Photo. Right. So they didn't allow me enough characters, jerks. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. You know, it's, I mean, I'm on, I'm moderately active on all the social media, Facebook and stuff like that. It just right. kind of stick my nose in and see who's messaged. I try to get back to everybody. It doesn't always happen, so. That's a hard thing to do. I try, I try so hard. I am so appreciative of everybody who reaches out and <laughs> contacts, but sometimes I just can't get them all and I'm sorry. So just email me again. There's well, a lot we, of weirdos out there. We appreciate, a lot of that. we appreciate you being on this little podcast and coming down here. So thank you very much. Fun times are had. Tomas, can you give us a bye-bye? <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Over and out from Puerto Rico. Well, that's all she wrote for this one. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and start shooting. This podcast is officially over. Over and out. Catch you next time, dude. Don't jeopardize. Don't sacrifice. RGG. EDU. Well done.